0: So I'm pleased to introduce you, um, or not for some of you, some of you are quite familiar with uh, Dr. Scott. She's um, lectured here previously, she's preached here previously in uh, June of 2020 on where do we go from here, the need for a third reconstruction, that's in our sermon archive, that that was on Zoom. So some of you are, only, are seeing uh, Dr. Scott it, more than just neck up for the, <laughs> for the first time. So glad we can be together in person. Uh, Dr. Terri Ann Scott is the director of African American Studies and the recently elected chair, I believe, correct, yes, at the History Department at Hood College here in Frederick. She's also an associate editor of the Journal of Sports History. She earned a doctorate in history from the University of Chicago and a master's degree with distinction from Southern Methodist University. Dr. Scott is the author of several books, most recently, um, Lynching and Leisure, Race and the Transformation of Mob Violence in Texas, and save the date for Saturday, October 9th, when she will be uh, lecturing here on lynching and the criminalization of blackness then and now. Uh, So welcome, Dr. Scott.
1: Good morning. I'm going to take a sip of water. Thank you for inviting me this morning. I'm honored to be here. First, I would like for us all to remember the people of Haiti. They suffered a 7.2 magnitude earthquake yesterday. My mother is from Haiti. Please see what you can do to help the people and remember the people today. So first, I'm here to ask you today to continue on your journey to change the world. It's as simple as and complex as that. You can change the world. In fact, I'm here to tell you that it is your duty to change the world, to combat wrong, to eradicate suffering, to use what you have learned in each of your days on this earth to create a world absent of violence, iniquity, injustice, in hate. Indeed, it is a tall order. I'm also here to tell you that people recognize that perhaps you are the one who needs to be on the receiving end of that change. Perhaps someone needs to help you change your world today. It has been a heck of an 18 months full of pain, reckoning, seeming impossibility. Lastly, I'm here to say that changing the world without caring for yourself could destroy you in the process. You must grant yourself the time and love to create inner peace while you work to change the world. We will get to that in just a bit. So back to the last 18 months and the collective and personal challenges we faced. Early last year, the world was plunged into a pandemic that brought to the fore longstanding racial and structural inequality. And just as it seemed we had turned the corner and eradicated this virus, it's remained with us. Many of you have suffered the loss of friends, loved ones, co-workers. The spectacular racial brutality, once preserved and disseminated through photography and corporal souvenirs, was captured by cell phones and body cameras, played increasingly on television around the world, allowing us all to bear witness to racial terror in all of its modern forms with the murders of George Floyd, Elijah McCain, Ahmaud Arbery, and others. Still wreathing from the suffocating reality of this asphyxiating tide of murders, of modern lynchings, we then watch domestic terrorists attempt to overthrow our democracy, while those in a position to present a truthful narrative and hold people accountable chose instead to cast the criminals as tourists to tell us that we did not see what we saw. We are witnessing right now in states across the country an assault on voting rights as a means to undo the political power of traditionally marginalized people. A type of redemption not seen since the post-Reconstruction era, when the backlash against black political power ushered in almost one century of laws and violence that sought to disenfranchise people. We are seeing parents get angry and violent over others wanting their children to wear masks to keep them safe. But we must remain full of hope for change I've certainly suffered my moments of despair, but God has helped me realize through prayer, through faith, through conversations with others, that hopelessness is the language of those people, those powers, those spirits, who seek to divide us, to force us into complacency, disillusionment, despair. We must choose the language of hope, of action, of resilience. Those challenges have already served as impetuses for many of you to jump into action, to march, to petition for reform, to force local companies, educational facilities, and governmental entities to institute policies and procedures that work to better the lives of others, to create pathways to equality. Bravo. Keep at it. You've used your power, your resilience, to help others. There's still work to be done. Changing the world is a process, one defined by acts small and large, public and hidden. Please remember that. Changing the world does not have to be done with some grand or expensive gesture. Maybe you will work to generate policy changes, run for public office and serve as a public servant who cares about the people, create a Fortune 500 company that improves humanity's daily existence, or you will or have registered people to vote, start a free tutoring community program at your community center or library, launch a neighborhood cleanup campaign, or perhaps you will change the world by one simple act of kindness each day. Speak up when a stranger or friend uses harmful or inappropriate language. Disrupt hate with your words, your disapproval. Be kind to a person who is going through a tough time. Deliver them cookies or dinner. You can simply smile at a person when we no longer are wearing masks, of course. A friendly, simple change that that can change the trajectory of a person's day. Through your mask, a simple hello can always be heard. Let a person know they are seen. You can tell a child how creative, smart he, she, or they are. Let the child know someone sees them, someone believes in them. You can recognize and respect when a person tells you their pronouns. Whatever you choose to do, believe in and recognize the power of your words and actions. Some of you know about the civil rights pilgrimage I participate in as a resident historian. On one of my trips to Alabama, a few years ago, we visited a church that welcomes us each time we go stay in Montgomery. It is a church where Reverend Ralph Abernathy, one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s closest friends and allies, preached. I noticed a little girl, tall for her age, with bare feet. She had small heels next to her. I asked her why she wasn't wearing her pretty shoes. She said she didn't want to be taller than the other children, so she had removed them. I told her that she should wear her heels and be proud of her height. It was beautiful. And then those of us on the pilgrimage left. It was what I thought to be a comment in passing. One full year later, almost to the day, I returned to that church on another pilgrimage. The same little girl approached me. She had grown over the course of that year. She had on heels. She asked if I remembered her and then informed me that ever since our exchange, She was wearing heels as often as possible. I was touched. Here was this young girl, confident in her height. Many of us can understand the importance of that. But what she doesn't know is that she helped me far more than I helped her. She reminded me about the power inherent in our words and actions. I'm a tall woman, 5 foot 11 inches, and when I told her to take pride in her height, that meant something significant to her. Our words, our actions have power. Even when we think we are simply saying things in passing, when we say things we assume don't matter so much. Use that power correctly, use it with moral intent. You see each act from the complex and highly visible to the simple and clandestine reverberates in the pathways to change and inspire others. Each act serves as an example of a method to eradicate injustice, to assuage suffering, to create new moral paradigms, to make someone feel better, do better. Each act can change the world for someone or for everyone. And someone is always watching what you do. So each act affects change and also serves as an example for others to do the same. Now you will encounter those who fear your ideas, your desire to help others because your ideas your actions somehow reflect what they are willing to do, unwilling to do and accomplish. Do not let people tell you that your ideas for facilitating change are trite or impossible or silly. They will seek to impede your progress, to put you in your place, to diminish the grandness of your designs. They will strive to make you fall into an abyss of self-pity or doubt. You must rise above. Bill Russell, the renowned player and coach of the Boston Celtics, the first African-American coach of of the NBA, grew up in Louisiana in the 1930s. When he was about four or five years old, he informed his mother that he wanted to play in the front yard and no longer in the backyard. His mother was reluctant. She was concerned that people would come by and call him names, names that would attack him based on his race. So she told him, after she allowed him to to play in the front yard, let me tell you something, and this is something that he says has stayed with him since then. If people come by and call you names, remember that is a problem within them, not you. That is a problem within them, not you. You must see past people's negativity. As my youngest daughter once told me when she was five years old and grabbed my face and said, you have to believe. So I say to you, you have to believe, see life as possibility. Look to those who came before us for inspiration. That's what I do. I'm a historian, so true to my profession, my nature, I herald history as a complex set of lessons that guide us to a better future. I learned long ago ago that those whom I study, those whom I teach, they're my teachers, my guides in life. Knowledge of history is an unimaginably powerful force. As history tells us stories, it sustains our energy to combat the powers that seek to divide and destroy us. History functions as both prologue and primer. It extends to us warnings. It fills us with hope, strength, determination. It empowers us with the desire, the fortitude to continue. It demonstrates that we can change the world. If Mother Jones, an Irish immigrant who arrived in New York early in the last century, can suffer the loss of her husband and all of her children from yellow fever and still emerge to lead a struggle against child labor, against the ills that maimed small children and kept them out of school, you can do anything. Her actions led to changes in child labor laws in Pennsylvania and fueled a movement that would eventually send children home from the factories. Never let someone tell you that challenges in your life means the end of your power to change the world. In February of 1960, four college students at North Carolina A&T an HBCU, Historically Black College and University, stayed up late one night talking about Dr. King, about the Little Rock Nine, and others. Inspired by the conversation, they decided to act on it. And So the following morning, they entered a Woolworths where African Americans were not served at the lunch counter, and they sat, unserved and unyielding. The next day, inspired by their story, several other students joined in followed by more each day, most of whom were arrested, many of whom were beaten. Countless participants were kicked out of school, plagued by criminal records for doing the right, the just thing. By the end of the summer, the seemingly isolated small act of four college students led to tens of thousands of protesters engaged in nationwide sit-in movement that not only desegregated Woolworths, but also beaches, libraries, and other spaces of public accommodation across the country. Never let someone tell you that one act is meaningless. We can look to the examples of people in our own families to understand the power we have to affect change. My father, Mr. William Henry Schulte, grew up poor on a farm in Galena, Illinois. He lost all of his teeth by the age of 19 due to malnutrition and a lack of dental care. His family could not afford to send him to college, so he worked in steel mills to raise the money for tuition. He went on to design computer programs and then put me and my brothers through college and graduate school. He overcame seemingly insurmountable obstacles so that his children could have a different life. He was never bitter, always gracious. He changed our worlds. If you don't have an example in your family, be the example for those to come. Demonstrate what can be accomplished, what can be done for others. I've spent countless hours contemplating how to deal with the loss of my father. He passed away in 2017. I certainly don't have all the answers, but I've determined something. We can learn from those whom we have lost, whether we know them or simply have read about them. We can examine and adopt their best qualities. How incredibly blessed I am to have been loved and lauded by a man like my father. He was filled with compassion and other-centeredness. He was a man who taught me that I am the most precious person in the world, but I am not better than anyone. Everyone we encounter is special. He has taught me, deserving of consideration and respect, no matter their station, in life, I work to make those qualities guide me. They keep my father with me and I strive to allow his best qualities to make me a better person. In this life, you will experience loss, failure, disappointment, but how will you recover from it? How will you use to push you, how will you use that to push you, to guide you, to help others? If we take the best parts of those whom we know, whom we study, the history makers, the family members, the famous, the determined college students, to the quote unquote least among us. We take the best elements of those people and allow their characteristics to serve as our guiding principles in life. That's how we change the world. That is from where we draw strength. And then, of course, you add what makes you unique to affect change. Now, what about that resilience and inner peace? My husband and I have worked to raise our children to be in service to others. We encourage them, require them to help others from their everyday acts to their career paths. And they've risen to the occasion. I am so impressed by them, proud of them. As I have gotten older, I more fully recognize the importance of emphasizing that living a life in service to others does not mean you must forget about or dismiss yourself, your needs. We try to teach them that as well. You must take care of yourself if you are to take care of others. I repeat, you must take care of yourself if you are to take care of others. Determine what you need. Write it down. Reflect on it. What empowers you? What brings you joy? Perhaps it's reading, walking, baking, watching the Real Housewives series on Bravo. That's what I do. Recharge. Laugh. It requires resilience to help others, but resilience without personal peace creates an algorithm for potential problems. Part of achieving that peace is understanding and owning your self-worth. If you have trouble moving forward, trouble finding balance, trouble finding peace, reach out and ask for help. There is no shame in that, only courage and love. Love of yourself and those around you. Be honest. Tell people around you how you feel and ask them to help you. I began this talk citing some of the extreme challenges that have faced us as a nation, as individuals, over the last 18 months. For all of the pain, the loss, the strife, these grave challenges have engendered an unprecedented call for reform. We've witnessed in the past months people come together across racial, ethnic, generational and religious boundaries, flooding streets around the world, taking to social media, calling on corporations, educational facilities, governmental entities for change, demanding that people do better. We've affected tremendous change through protest, through the exercising of political power, through legislative change, and the establishment of new moral paradigms. What a beautiful reality. These changes demonstrate the veracity of the words of the late Congressman John Lewis, When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to continue to speak up, speak out. In closing, I leave you with a story told by the renowned scholar Robin G. Kelly. I referred to this story last year when speaking to this congregation. Some of you might recall. I felt moved to to read it again. I know I need to hear it again, so perhaps I thought some of us Some of you here needed to as well. Dr. Kelly came from a world of, quote, drug dealers, social workers, rusty tap water, roaches and rodents, urine scented hallways and piles of garbage that were constant reminders that our world, he noted, began and ended in the battered tenement apartment on 157th and Amsterdam. That was a world that Kelly and his siblings saw with their two eyes. But Kelly's mother encouraged them to, quote, live a world through their third eyes, to see life as possibility. They were required to befriend the eccentrics, the children who had holes in their clothing. They were required to care for the birds whose wings had been broken. They were required to see beyond the confines of the poverty in races and racism that they lived in, and dream about what life could be, to dream of a world absent of violence, absent of iniquity, absent of injustice, to live through their third eye. I implore all of you to live through your third eye. See the world as possibility. See beyond the painful constructs of racism, poverty, homophobia, xenophobia, sexism, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, inequity, inequality. Create the world you imagine in your third eye. Remember, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So where do we begin? Well, that's up to you. But you are not alone. You are here among a community of folks willing to work in service to others, willing to uplift those around them, willing to change the world. Perhaps you're the one who needs to be uplifted. You are the one who needs help today. Reach out to one another. Ask for help. There is much courage in asking for help. And in honor of Congressman John Lewis, may we all continue to speak up and speak out. Thank you.